Welcome, everyone. It's a wrap with rap. I am your host, Ron Rappaport. This podcast features people who have overcome life's challenges and adversities, people who can inspire and motivate, and people who can educate us on an assortment of topics. My guest today is Chris Vane. Chris is the founder and executive director of the Little Bear Sanctuary located in Punta Gorda, Florida, a nonprofit farm animal sanctuary. Chris, originally from New York and working in the healthcare field, experienced some life challenges there that he had to overcome to get where he is today. Chris is here to share his story of resiliency and never giving up and to tell us all about his farm animal sanctuary and offer to us why never giving up on your dreams is important. Welcome, Chris, to the podcast. Hey, Ron, how are you? I'm Thanks great. for having me. <laughs> oh, it's good to have a fellow Floridian on. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Tell us what you're... I was going to ask you how the weather is, but I guess we know how that is. Well, right? yeah, we're probably about maybe five degrees cooler than you. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Tell us what your uh, early years were like growing up and your career in the medical field in New York. Yeah, so uh, born and raised in Yonkers, New York. Um, and oh, gosh, uh, you know, I, I always loved New York City. So I, you know, the second I when I turned 18, I was down, you know, went, uh, went to college at School of Visual Arts, uh, had an art degree for, for you know, um, quite a few years and uh, strangely ended up working at New York Hospital. So it was then that I became interested in, in medicine and uh, went back to school and became a PA, went to Long Island University, uh, did my rotations at Brooklyn Hospital, and uh, yeah, moved moved to the city. <laughs> All right. So right around 9-11, you're living on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, yes. and your partner of 12 years, Russ, was on a health decline. Can you tell us about that and what finally ensued with Russ? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Russ... Um, he, he was HIV positive for many, 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 many years. And, uh, he ended up getting Lyme disease, uh, which unfortunately went undiagnosed for about two years. So by the time they caught it, it had already turned to neurologic. Um, and he was having, you know, between, uh, between the HIV, between, you know, the neurologic Lyme, which at that point, you know, you throw people on antibiotics, IV antibiotics. And most of the time it's a long-term, yeah. long-term neuro problems. So uh, unfortunately his short-term memory really declined drastically. He, he was experienced, you know, I guess you would call it early onset dementia given all his health issues and then throwing that on top of it. So it was, gosh, you know, right before 9-11, I'll sort of give you a leading up to 9-11. Um, I would say that year prior was when we really figured out what the issue was. Yeah. And, um, you know, Russ had been a nurse in his, pre you know, previously uh, before he worked on Wall Street. We all changed careers, right? Yeah. Um, and, sure. um, you know, I, I came home one day and, you know, you remember, the, I don't know if you guys down here, but there was always a movie of the week. That was on like Monday through Friday. Yeah. And uh, he was already, um, you know, he was, he wasn't working anymore. He was on uh, disability and I came home and he's watching whatever the movie of the week was that Monday, Tuesday, I come home and he's watching the movie again. I'm like, same movie, that. same yeah. movie. And I'm like, man, you just, you were watching that yesterday. <laughs> what are you doing? He's like, I've never seen this movie before. 
And I was like, oh, okay. Wednesday, same thing, Ron. He same movie on. And I'm just like, I, you know, I I you knew sort of right there. I was like, okay, this is really getting bad now. And um yeah. Thursday, Friday, I mean, it was every day, and he he had no memory of it. And you know, that by Friday, I, I you know, I sat him down and we had a really long talk. And you know, it's it's when you don't remember when you're having dementia symptoms and you can't remember you, it brings up a lot of anger because yeah. the person telling you basically you're, you don't, you know, and I'll, and I'll use the movie as an example. Um, you know, he had no memory of ever seeing it. Right. So even right. if he's watching it every day. Um, he's not believing you. He's not believing, you right. know, and then, right. so it's sort of like, you know, so we had this serious conversation and you really have to trust the person to, you know, to help them, they have to trust you that what you're saying, you know, yeah. you're not, you know, and, you know, we were together for 12 years. So he, he understood it and, you know, and there was other issues leading up to that. So, you know, we had this really long discussion. So I, I guess he decided that he wanted to not be a burden. So un- unfortunately, uh, a month after 9-11, he committed suicide. I was not prepared for that. I, it took me a little bit to kind of figure it all out when it, after it played out and, you know, had he had lived another six months, he would have probably been hospitalized or somewhere where they, you know, it would have been really bad at that point and it was getting pretty bad. So it took me a while to figure that out, but, um, uh, you know, called 911 every, you know, you figure, you know, played it, it played out the way it was, you know, crazy, insane day of my life. Uh, you're, I, I, it, it's weird to talk about it now. It's so long ago. Um, it's people always ask, you know, like where, what happens to your brain, you know, like where, what, what happens? And I, and I, and I describe it as I, I was just, I felt like I was just like on this automatic pilot and it, yeah. it was just very foggy, you know? And I can understand uh, that. I can. It was a month after 9-11, so they couldn't even come get the body till like after midnight, one in the morning. It was just one of those nightmare days. Yeah. Uh, and we lived in a rent-controlled apartment on the Upper West Side. Didn't have my name on the lease. You know, back then we were young. We were, you know, you never sure. thought about. Right. You know, wasn't it? It was never even a thought in our minds. You know, yeah. like to do. You're that enjoying. Kind of stuff. You're enjoying life. Yeah. You yeah. know, and. So the next morning I called the landlord. Now I've been there for 12 years, mm-hmm. right? And I, she's like, Chris, I'm so sorry. I heard what happened. You know, I'm so sorry about Russ. And I said, thank you. You know, I said, would you mind if I come down and put my name on the lease? Cause it's something that I never did. Yeah. And she's like, uh, she's like, let me call you back. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. So two hours later, her attorneys called me back and said, we don't know who you are. Not a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, this couldn't get any worse, right? Yeah. So uh, at that point, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have no place to live. I, you know, talk about a nightmare. Uh, so a friend of mine who is in politics, uh, he said, call Lambda Legal. He knew some people. Uh, Lambda Legal is a, it's a LGBTQ law firm and um, they help their community by taking on heavy duty cases, you know, they, they sure. do it for, for free. Sure. So they, they 
they took it on. Thank goodness. Um, it was a year, a year in the courts as I was living there, they wouldn't accept my rent. So, you know, I had to save up the rent money. And it's, so it was literally a year yeah. living like that, having to show pictures of us together and documents. And I, I can't even begin to tell you, it was so invasive of my privacy and my life. And given everything that happened, you know, it was just this constant, there was no peace, you know? It was kind of like rock bottom. It was, it was, well, I thought at that time, but it, it did, it definitely got worse. Um, so yeah. So a year later, the date, the actual date of his death, it was the court date. And uh, I, I did win at that point. My mental health really declined. Um, I had been doing serious drugs. I just, I, I didn't want to feel anymore. That's the best way I can describe it. And I didn't care anymore. I didn't care if I lived anymore. I was completely hopeless. And I never knew what that feeling was. You know, you hear people talk about it. You hear yeah. about people who commit suicide who are hopeless. And I really, Ron, I just literally didn't care about anything anymore. I hear you. I hear you. Um, so won the court case. And at that point I didn't even care, you know, um, I was in, uh, uh, I was in medicine. I was in a, in a research position, so I wasn't seeing patients, thank goodness. Um, and, uh, it was just like this nonstop nothing. I mean, I, I, it's the memories of it are so foggy. Um, yeah. And, and I guess it was probably a year after that. Yeah, it had to be, it was, it was literally after the court case, um, that October, I said, if I don't leave New York. The podcast in our audience is very fortunate to have, as our sponsor and supporter, award-winning author Mary Kay Savaris. Mary loves to write books with the quirkiest of titles. Mary's debut fiction novel, Tigers Love Bubble Baths, an obsession perfume, who knew, is a contemporary spiritual mystery that transcends three genres, mystery, spirituality, and romance. This book has won many awards. The book's main character, Angie Pantera, thought she had the perfect life. A loving, devoted husband of 25 years, two wonderful grown children, and an impending wedding anniversary celebration with friends and family. But the celebration is ruined by a cheating husband and Angie's life devolves into a living nightmare until serendipity brings her to Birdsong, Maine as a recreation director at a church-run nursing home that is slowly wasting away. The home could use a miracle. A bit of creative advertising prompts Angie to buy a bouquet of magical dandelions and in a flash of inspiration, she knows exactly how to bring light to these dark days. But then people start dying, and the only thing they have in common is Angie. Harangued by a distrustful elder and under suspicion of the police, Angie must fight to clear her good name as she seeks out the truth. Is this a miracle or murder? Mary Severisi's latest book, The Girl in the Toil Wallpaper, is the first book of her trilogy fantasy adventure which spans two generations. 
Alice may have fallen through the looking glass and created a relationship with a Cheshire cat, but it's 12-year-old Tyler who falls into the toil wallpaper and unwittingly bonds with 13 cats. Tyler must rescue the girl of his dreams or forever be imprisoned inside the wallpaper of time while running from an evil wizard. Some of the reviews of Mary's works include statements such as, The book was exceptional. I felt connected to the characters. I became part of the book in my mind. Her book would make a wonderful Hallmark movie. I couldn't put this book down. I connected with it right away. The books, Tiger's Love Bubble Bass and Obsession Perfume, Who Knew? And The Girl in the Toil Wallpaper is available in hardcover, paperback, and Kindle and available from Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, or through the author's website, MarySeverice.com. All the purchase information will be listed in the podcast notes. I'm going to die. And I called my parents and I told my mom, I called my mom, I'm like, mom, I said, I'm going to move to Florida. And she's like, really? Oh my God, that's great. I yeah, she was happy. Yeah. She's so excited. Yeah. And my dad gets on the phone and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, he's like, what are you going to, he's like, you're, you got this, you're, you got a career. You got it. What are you, what are you doing? You know, I, they didn't know at the time what I was going through. Right. Other than, right. you know, with Russ, they didn't know the drugs and yeah. all that craziness. So um, I literally in two weeks, I was packed up and I moved in with them for a few weeks. But you, but you uh, leave for Florida for, a change, Florida for a change of scenery and you moved yeah. to Miami beach. I did. What, what did you do there and for how long? Did you do <laughs> so I thought about going back into medicine. I, I really, I was, I was truly burnt out. I think yeah. at that point from medicine, from, you know, I, I was an uh, HIV AIDS specialist. I just think, you know, I gave my time to my community and um, I wanted to start over. Sure. And, you know, the first six months in Miami beach were fabulous. And, you know, it was like being on vacation and I really, it really got me out of that insanity and it saved my life. It, it really did. Um, and I ended up working for a nonprofit for like two years and then I became a realtor. <laughs> so I was a realtor for 10 years. You can't beat that. You move to Florida and you become a real, you go into real estate. How many people do that? Uh, too many, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it was, um, it was a, it was a, it was a great 10 years. Um, it sounds I, like it. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, and yeah, you're yeah. a nice warm weather, you know? I, yeah, exactly. You, you I did really that. well. Um, and it was like, when I turned 50, <laughs> I was in a real estate seminar. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Now you, you, you moved back. Then you moved to Punta Gorda. I did. I ended up moving to closer your, to mom to and dad. Parents. Um, only child. Mom, right. uh, my mom had had a stroke two years prior and I figured, you know, I, I got to be up there closer and I figured, yeah, I could just do real estate up there, you know? Right. Like, and then you, totally. you, 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 you're at a, you're at a uh, real estate seminar, right? Yep. Yes. And, and you get a light bulb moment. Yes. Tell us about that. Sitting in a real estate seminar, three week, crazy intensive on following your passion in real estate. And I'm, I think within the first week, what, truly a light bulb moment, like talk about coming out of nowhere. Right. I had always wanted to be a veterinarian. I'd been vegan for a while. Um, yeah, I always loved animals and it literally just, I just said to myself, I'm going to open up a farm sanctuary. Like it just came to me. Wow. Um, 
yeah, I, I was trying to figure out how I could, you know, work in the animal community without doing another crazy, drastic anything, but yeah, with me, it's all or nothing. So <laughs> changed, changed, changed careers again <laughs> and uh, became a vet tech for, uh, in preparation for this crazy adventure. And, 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 and you studied to be a vet tech. So, <laughs> so you were doing that, figuring if you ever start something, you would have that. Yeah, my five-year plan was to at least get the medicine down because I had looked at sanctuaries and rescues and veterinary costs were their biggest downfall and their biggest expense. Right. So I figured, let me become, you know, let me get involved in the field and yeah. I can learn a lot and I can save a lot of money. And, and it ended up working out great. The vet that I worked for, you know, I had told him going into this, that's what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And, and he's now on our board of directors and he does everything for us for a very for cost basically, which is unheard of in the animal community. So yeah. well, tell, tell us about, <laughs> tell us about your mom, Ursula and her love for animals <laughs> and her dream of helping animals. Did that, did that, how did that affect you? Um, my mom was, uh, she was, was such a great person. She um, born in, born in Germany, came over, you know, war bride, that kind of thing. Um, and she had the German accent. Uh, she worked in a factory for 20 years. And uh, she truly like, she, she, she told you like it was, it was so funny. She um, had no filters. She was so much fun. And um, she loved animals. She truly, you know, we always had, we always had a dog. I, I always had hamsters. I had, you name it. I had every animal growing up and, and I always had a special connection with animals. She had a special connection with animals. Uh, and she really, you know, my love for animals, it, it she's definitely a big part of that. Um, her compassion was amazing with people and with animals. She, my father was a, a Yonkers cop. So you can imagine that dynamic, right? And, yeah. <laughs> she was totally opposite. She, yeah. I was going to say there's two poles. She there. accepted everybody for who they were. Thank goodness. Yeah. Right. Um, they accepted, you know, she, I came out when I was 18 back in 1980, when there was no coming out, there was no TV shows about anything. There were no computers. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, she did what a mom did and she accepted it. And shockingly, yeah. my father accepted it too, which was pretty shocking. And, uh, but I, I'm sure she had a big to do with that. Um, now, now Ursula, yeah, Ursula has everybody, a- every culture, every person, every, you know, no, no matter, you know, where they were in their life. And, and that was the, her biggest thing with me. She always supported me 100% in anything I wanted to do. Yeah, she sounds like a great woman. Now, Ursula, yeah. that that name means something in Latin, doesn't it? Yep, it means little bear. <laughs> little bear, all right, we'll get to that. Yep. What is the mission statement of the sanctuary you're running? Yeah, um, our mission is uh, we rescue farm animals from abuse and neglect. Um, and we give them a permanent home here at the sanctuary where they live out the remainder of their lives in a cruelty-free environment. And, and we're a true sanctuary. We don't, none of our animals are kept in cages or pens. We're on 30 acres. They run around in their natural habitat. Uh, we are, um, 
Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries Verified, which is 3% of sanctuaries in the world get that verification. And it's given to true sanctuaries that have the best policies, the best animal care. You know, it's like, you know, 200 page application, site visit. It's, it's, it's a big deal. And, and um, Yeah, it sounds that way. Uh, how did you go about securing uh, a space for the sanctuary? And how did you find your first rescue animals? I, it's funny. <laughs> um, I, it's the day before I started my new job. As a vet tech, uh, it was <laughs> Easter Saturday, the Saturday before Easter <laughs> in 2016, 2016, okay. 2020, yeah, 2016, gosh. Um, I, I met Randy, my husband, um, and uh, we, were, we were out with friends at a bar. Neither one of us knew each other, but we had the same friends. And yeah, we, you know, love at first sight, Ron. What can I say? Yeah, um, we hit it up. The rest yeah. is history. The rest right. is history. So we were living in Fort Myers. We had a house in Fort Myers. And uh, I think probably the following, unfortunately, my mom passed away in November of 2016. And uh, we, in February of 2017 is when we started looking for property. We decided, you know, let's do it. And it was actually the first listing that came up on realtor.com. How crazy is that? Yeah, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a house on 10 acres. We, um, we went to go look at it and it went under contract <laughs> and Two weeks later, it came off a contract, and um, that's when we got our contract in. And we had to, it had to be contingent on our house selling. It was one of those complicated yeah, yeah. deals. And uh, yeah, it went through, and we moved in, uh, gosh, August of 20, yeah, August of 2016, 2017. Uh, what hurricane was that that month? Because that's when the hurricane came through. Irma? Could be, yeah. yeah. I, there was so many back then. <laughs> how did you? How yeah, did so you... two weeks later, we moved in. Two weeks later, Irma hit. <laughs> Thank goodness we didn't have any animals. No how, electricity how... for three weeks. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how did you find your first rescue animals? Once we, once our name was out there, we got a phone call. Probably, oh, let's see, August. It had to be October-ish, maybe. And it was a lady, a local you know, woman in Naples who had a pet piggy that she couldn't take care of anymore. And she asked if we would take it. And wow. that's how it started. That's how <laughs> it Willie, started. Willie the pig. They knew they knew you had the property and the word. Yeah, we out. had already been. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Had, we had the nonprofit paperwork all done in July. So we were at a website at that point. We were, we were ready to go. Chris, tell us the species of animals uh, that there are to the, there today and, and the total number on the sanctuary. Yeah, sure. Uh, gosh, we've got uh, just a little bit over 200 animals. 200, uh, we, wow. Yeah, 200. Uh, we've got pigs, cows, goats, uh, chickens, donkeys. <laughs> uh, um, did I say sheep? We've got sheep. Nope, you didn't say sheep. Yeah, we've got sheep. We've got a whole herd of sheep. Uh, 135 pigs total. 
Lots of pigs. That's everybody, I think. Do you have a favorite animal? <laughs> yeah, everybody asks me that. Um, oh, gosh. You know, I always say it's Willie because he was the first. He, the he has a special place in my heart. Yeah. But there you, are they, you know, there's they all, there's so many personalities here. It's 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 really fun. Do you name each animal? They're all named. Really? Yep. So you got 200 names. I do. <laughs> and you know each one. I do, yes. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It is. <laughs> are you are you taking in more animals and are, are you adding more space? Yeah. So what we did was we the year later, the 20 acres next to us came up for sale. So we quickly purchased those. Um, we're landlocked, so that was the only space available. Right. So we got really lucky. So we're on 30 acres now. It's We have an amazing board of directors. Our supporters are incredible. Um, you know, we the whole place is fenced and secure. And gosh, we've got a full-time employee. Kelly is our animal caregiver. She's absolutely incredible. I don't know what I would do without her. And and like I said, we we have such an amazing board, and we added some really fantastic people this year. So I'm excited. Chris, why why are animals important to you? I think, especially farm, you know, I, I because we're a farm animal sanctuary, which is very specific and not, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand uh, a farm animal sanctuary. Um, everybody relates to dogs and cats, right? You know, horses, lions, and, tigers, yeah, lions, tigers, sure. Um, and I just wanted to be able to sort of share with the world what I see in all animals. I want people to see how intelligent pigs are, how intelligent cows are, how intelligent chickens are. You know, pigs are the fourth smartest animal on the planet. I don't think most people know that. No, I didn't know that. Um, they are, gosh, they're so smart, Ron. Um, smart as a four-year-old. So if you kind of, think of it that way um they uh their personalities they're <laughs> they're so funny they plot and they scheme they uh, you know they have a very complex language they understand english or whatever language they're taught uh they have self-recognition they can recognize a good person from a bad person just by wow. looking at them you know wow. they can, um yeah they act they they think, they judge, they, yeah, they're pretty. So, so we're not talking about like little, little miniature pigs. We're talking about <laughs> regular farm yeah, animal pigs. <laughs> yeah, we, we've got uh, from pot bellies to farm animals. So no such thing as a mini pig, uh, which a lot of people think there are. So uh, mini pig is any pig under 300 pounds. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. And probably the, they, a pot belly averages 100 to 250 pounds. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah, most people don't. And uh, right now, the pet pig situation in this country is insane. 95% of people who get a pet pig will end up getting rid of it. Wow. It's crazy. And where yeah. do they go? Yeah. Where yeah, do where go? do they go? Exactly. It's, uh, I think we get about 10 phone calls a day asking wow. if we'll take pet pigs. Yeah, which we had to stop doing because it's... It's just don't have the room. So we're really yeah. for mostly the abused animals now. That's 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 not good to hear. How much food do you need a month to feed all these? <laughs> we feed over. Oh my gosh, uh, we're up to twenty thousand pounds a month. Twenty thousand pounds. Wow, yeah. a month. Yeah, 
yeah it's, cool. it's, that's a lot it's of our, it's our biggest expense yeah right? five grand a month <laughs> can, can you describe to our audience uh the property kind of what it yeah what it like? uh you know i love this property because we're very isolated we don't have any neighbors per se um, we are in on the border of Arcadia. So we are, let's see, north, we're east, Punta Gorda, I guess. And I would say for our audience, Punta Gorda <laughs> is probably the southwest Florida. Would that be described? Yeah, southwest Florida. We're closer to Fort Myers. I think most people know Fort Myers. Yeah. And south of Tampa. South of Tampa, south of Venice, so yeah. Sarasota. Um, you have to go down a dirt road, half a mile to find us. We, it's a beautiful property, tons of trees, lots of palm trees, tons of oak trees, pine trees. Uh, we have this big one acre pond as you enter um, the property. That must be and, nice. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. Uh, right now it's sort of a little separated. It's just regular farm fencing. It's not, so it's very see-through. So we've got some, thousand pound piggies on the first area where you come in and wow. uh, uh, the house is sort of in the middle of the 10 acres. So behind the house is a big field. And then out on the 20 acres next, right adjacent to the property are our cows and more pigs. Sounds like a beautiful place. Pigs, pigs. It's, it's really, it's really pretty out here. Can you Very tell nice. us Chris about a few of your most memorable rescues? Let's, let's say the hardest ones. Sure. Oh my gosh, there's been some crazy ones. Um, Jimmy was this little, oh, he's the cutest little piggy. He was probably two months old and he was picked up uh, off of the streets in Fort Myers and somebody had poured a caustic substance over his back, which ate away his skin almost down to the spine. And I do a little surgery, uh, you know, it's a couple of weeks of healing and uh, he is the most incredible little guy. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, to see them go from such a horrible, horrible, from a horrible place in a horrible situation and yeah. to, to just be, to be abused to that extent. And then, to see how joyful he is now. Doing so God's work. Teary-eyed sometimes when I think about yeah. it. Yeah, you're doing God's work. It's um yeah, he's happy now. He loves his belly rubs. It's just it's amazing that, that you know the, for, for me just to see that transformation is is pretty incredible. Uh, tell us about the cost of running the sanctuary and how is it funded? Yeah, sure. Well, we are a nonprofit uh publicly funded. Um we our monthly operating costs are fifteen thousand dollars, which is quite amazing. Um, we uh, we have an amazing board. We have amazing supporters. Yeah, we're we're doing it. We're uh, we're we're bringing in the money and rescuing animals. And, so it's pretty uh, much funded by donations. Yeah, all donations. Yep. Okay. What is a typical day running the sanctuary look like for, for you? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, you know what I, I tell people the hardest part of my job are my dogs in the house. <laughs> <laughs> 
They probably want some attention. The, the farm animals are really easy. It's my crazy dogs in the house that uh, are uh, <laughs> take up a lot of my time. Um, yeah, so gosh, uh, like I said, we, we have a full-time employee now, Kelly, and she she does all the hard work now. She does the feeding and um, you know all the medications, and she's also a vet tech, so um, uh, it, it's been so amazing to have her. Uh, uh, she's got to be a like, very busy woman. It's it's she's two hundred animals. <laughs> <She's busy. laughs> so yeah, so morning it's it's you check the animals first. We go around, make sure everybody's safe and walking sure. around, and everybody gets their medications, the ones that need their medications. And uh, feeding time is sort of she's she's got this amazing she has got feeding time. Feeding time is so complicated, Ron. I can't even begin to tell you. I had to, I do it on the weekends, and I'm just like I'm like I don't know how she does this every day. Oh, I see your dog um, there. Yeah, it's Koa. Hi, sweetie. You want to say hi? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, she's got it down pat. Uh, I've. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's fed in it, feeding in stages because they're all free. It's, it's pigs are, you know, it's, it's a crazy noisy, uh, <laughs> well, it's, it sounds like she's taken a, uh, a good load off your, she has, back. she has yeah. so my, most of my time during the week is good old fundraising, fundraising Administ administrative work, uh, right? Yeah. Administrative. Um, we, we, um, we have some amazing new board members, uh, this year we're going to be um we're going to be working on a series and uh one of our new board members is the producer director so um yeah it's going to be fun we got some great stuff planned this year every month we do some type of special fundraiser um we just came off of the betty white challenge i don't know if you guys heard about that where yeah um yeah so betty, white, betty, white. Um, betty white passed away and she yeah. had said if she had asked everybody just donate five dollars to uh, animal nonprofit of their choice. Oh, okay. So okay. we're part of that challenge and um, yeah, fundraising. Gosh, Ron, it's uh, it's it is the hardest part of my job. It's definitely the most challenging. Asking for money is always challenging. Yeah, Chris, what advice would you give to someone uh, who wants to do this type of thing? Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. A lot of sacrifice. Uh, it is it is life changing. It is twenty four seven, seven days a week. Uh, if you you know if 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 somebody really is serious and want and is thinking about, especially a farm animal sanctuary, you know, gosh, get your education on the animals. You know. You got to be able to buy the property yourself and live in the house. And there's got to be some kind of, somebody's got to have a job, especially the first couple of years yeah. to support it. Um, right. People do not just give you money because you rescue animals. And I think that's a huge misconception for a lot of people. What and I, see, I see so many sanctuaries going under now because of Oh, that. really? Well, what lessons have you learned from running the sanctuary? Oh, gosh. I've learned to pay it forward. Okay. I've learned a lot of patience. I, I'm always here to help another animal nonprofit. If they have questions, if they, 
uh, if they need advice. Uh, it doesn't happen a lot in our world. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of uh, um, infighting and um, we're drama free. I'm always ready to help somebody. I'm always ready to give advice. So um, yeah, I, I've definitely learned to pay it forward. I remember people who's helped, helped me in the past and and that's, you know, that's what I'm here for. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Chris, are people allowed to visit the sanctuary? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are by appointment only. So tons of different ways to reach us on our website at littlebearsanctuary.org. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're all over social media as Little Bear Sanctuary. Okay. And Chris, uh, what excites you the most going forward? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't begin to tell you how amazing my life is. And given my past, given everything that's got me to this point, to be able, just to be able to do this, yeah. to have it be successful and to change the lives of these animals is, it's totally worth it. It's, it's everything to me. And I, I, I'm, it's going to, we're going to get bigger. We're going to get, we're going to rescue more animals. Uh, the next five years is going to be amazing. We're going to be working on infrastructure, um, building a big barn and all that good stuff. So uh, sounds exciting. Hopefully we have a successful series coming up and uh, that'll be fun too. Oh, great. Now I know people can contact you. Uh, the best way is littlebearsanctuary.org. Yes. Or Little Bear Sanctuary, Instagram, Facebook, you're on there. Uh, I'm gonna yeah, include... we're everywhere. You can Google us. We're, uh, yeah, we're I'm gonna, to reach. <laughs> I'm going to include that information in the podcast notes. Thank Great. you so much, Thank Chris, for, for sharing your story of overcoming adversity and being resilient uh, to move forward and achieve a wonderful life goal. Uh, the work you are doing to improve the quality of the lives of these animals is so inspiring to all of us. And I am sure I speak for everyone listening that we wish uh, nothing but good things for you and Randy going forward. Next time I am in Southwest Florida, uh, which could be soon, I plan to visit you. Yeah, come and, visit. Yeah, visit. I will. And comments and suggestions to improve the podcast, uh, please email us at it's a wrap with rap at gmail.com. Our website is it's a wrap with rap.com, Facebook and our Facebook group is It's a Wrap with Rap. Uh, we're on Instagram, It's a Wrap with Rap podcast. All the episodes are on YouTube, It's a Wrap with Rap, the podcast uncut. Thanks everyone for listening. Please stay safe. And for now, it's a wrap.